Hello, Choose Love podcast audience. Welcome to a very special podcast today. My name is Scarlett Lewis, and I'm the founder of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement. Our mission is to offer essential life skills and tools that help us connect in healthy and meaningful ways to manage our emotions, to grow through difficulties and challenges we face in life, to make responsible decisions and more. We are not born with these life skills, but we can learn them at any age and they provide a direct path to finding meaning and purpose in our life and to flourishing. And boy, do we need them now more than ever. (laughs) The Choose Love movement is now in over 10,000 schools, homes and communities across the country and over 110 countries. Thanks to you all spreading the movement by word of mouth, still the most powerful way. So thank you very much. Today, we have two very special guests. I'm so excited for this podcast. Bill Lavin, a dear friend of mine, a retired firefighter from the Elizabeth, New Jersey Fire Department and founder of Where Angels Play Foundation that builds playgrounds in the U.S. and now all over the world to bring joy to children in honor of those who have lost their life. Bill says these uh, playgrounds and these parks stand for hope and recovery. Uh, Jesse had his own playground built at West Beach in Stamford. And another guest, very, very special guest, Yannick Kubuguza, a graphic artist now living in New Jersey as well, originally from Rwanda and a survivor of the genocide there in 1994 with an incredibly uh, just powerful and moving and inspiring story that he's going to share. Welcome, Bill and Yannick. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. Oh, thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Oh, great. So, so Bill, can you give us, so we're, we're here talking about your new book, The Starfish from Africa. This is your second book. Um, and we're going to do another podcast on the first book, but this is The Starfish from Africa. This is the story. This is Yannick's story. And the power about the power of forgiveness and his journey, as well as your journey. Can you give us a little bit of background on this book and how it came to be? Sure. Uh, it's my it's my pleasure to be here. And uh, I just need to comment that it's just amazing the the joy and the energy that you bring to uh, to this movement and to so many people that are going to hear your voice. Um because of the journey that you've been through and how you've been able to uh, turn uh, tragedy into triumph and um, forgiveness into really power. And that is the connection that I see with um, our trip to Cabejo and, and ultimately meeting my buddy Yannick, who's on the other line there. But um, a, a brief background. Um, so as a firefighter and our story goes way back to 9-11 when the towers came down in New York City. I was Elizabeth firefighter at the time and uh, also the president of the FMBA, which is the Firefighters Mutual Benevolent Association in New Jersey. So when the towers came down, our collective hearts were broken. We spent the next years and are still trying to recover from that, but but trying to support all that were impacted by there, the fire service, the police, uh, there's so many lives that um, 
were turned upside down there. But I will say, in their honor, there has been so much joy and so many good things that have come from the the memory of the people that we lost in, in the towers in 9-11. So um, we were working to, to try to support that. And uh, we were also... Um, received cards and letters of support in New Jersey from, a th again, it's all about the kids, right? A third grade class from Mississippi uh, sent me uh, a bunch of uh, drawings and cards and letters, similar to the one that, that uh, they were about a uh, little younger than Jesse, but it reminded me of Jesse's drawings in your book, uh, Scarlet. And they were to cheer us up. They were to, you know, and it was so heartfelt by firefighters who, they, they were basically saying, hey, we're sorry about your friends. Hang in there. We love you. There are little pictures of American flags. And so when we got those, we hung them on the wall and, you know, continued to fight fires. And and my job was to negotiate contracts and argue with politicians and become, you know, deep into my world of uh, union firefighter politics. And then uh, a tragedy of uh, the Katrina hurricane in, in Mississippi. And uh, the, we wondered how those children fared after, uh, um, you know, reaching out to us. And, and unfortunately, the entire Gulf Coast was devastated. Um, many lost their lives. The school, the North Bay Elementary School in Bay St. Louis was completely destroyed. That was where the school had come from. So we thought, geez, these kids reached out to us. How could we pay it forward to them. Uh, we raised some money through our group and through a, a group called Save the Children. And we donated almost a half a million dollars to, the, to the, that cause. They invited us down. We visited with, uh, we wanted to see the actual site of the school of North Bay. And they said, uh, geez, it looked like the storm had happened yesterday. It was six months after the storm. And we decided collectively that the kids had no place to play. Their, their playground had been destroyed. So that's where the playgrounds first started. And so I'm going to fast forward. We built three playgrounds there for the, for the communities and kind of went back home to uh, New Jersey to live our lives. We thought that was a one-off, nice, you know, rewarding project. And then I, I got mired, I, and I like to say that I was, you know, it was really, I had a blessed life all my life, but I was bitter, miserable. I was into politics and, you know, similar to what's going on in our divided country right now. It was really just, you know, self-loathing and feeling sorry for myself. And uh, I, I uh, remember the morning where Jesse was murdered and the other children in Sandy Hook and the beautiful teachers there, the tragedy of the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting December 14, 2012, I was miserable. I was driving away and I was heading down the New Jersey Turnpike and feeling sorry for myself. And I had shut everything off, my phone, the TV, the radio, and I just kind of disappeared. And um, when my wife finally did get a hold of me that evening, she said, you, you, you got to come home. You can't believe what's going on here. And when I was told of what had happened in Newtown, Sandy Hook, I remember feeling embarrassed, number one. But I also remember I could hear my mother, who was already an angel, but she had a saying 
that if I threw my problems in a pile with everyone else's, I would fight to get them back. And I felt I've had, and I've never had a problem in my life as, com you know, when you compare it to what you have gone through, Scarlett, and so many losing uh, a, a, a young child or a child of any sort. And um, so it made me want to, you know, I was embarrassed. It was almost like a lightning bolt hit me. You know, I, I got to do something. So three days after that, I received a video email from the, that third grade class again. It, uh, it was a, not the same kids, but it was the same class, same teacher. And a little girl on there said, we want to thank you for the playground that you built for us. And now we want to pay it forward to help you. So we're collecting Christmas gifts for the children of New Jersey. And that is when I got the idea that we need to get back to building playgrounds. Um, and I reached out to, as you know, you, Scarlett, and all of the families to ask them if they would consider this was the idea. We want to we want to build a playground as a gift not to the angel, but from the angel, from Jesse, for example, to the community of Stamford and all the other communities. And we would build them in places that were hard hit by the storm, by Hurricane Sandy. Oh, I, I forgot to mention Hurricane Sandy. That was that had hit us in uh, 2000 and I want to say in 2012 in October. So there was just another thing that was making me miserable. And that, and that is why the uh, kids from uh, Mississippi had reached out to me. So we built them in places that were hard hit by Hurricane Sandy. And I thought maybe we'd get one, two, three, five families. But it resonated with all the families. I, I imagine a stranger coming uh, two months after the worst day of your life where you lost a child and, and they and this dopey fireman for lack of a better word goes into their house <laughs> and and says i want to build a playground in honor of your angel and we want to make it into their favorite color and their you know it would be a celebration of their life not not another wake or funeral but a, a celebration of not how they left us but how they lived and it really uh it resonated not with one or two or five but every single family which I was, you know, I still feel that, you know, one of the blessings of my life is to have that trust from, at the time, complete strangers. But I will tell you, they are like my family now. And that is why I'm here with Scarlett. So we completed 26 playgrounds in 19 months. We thought it would take us 10 years. And we raised the money, and and, and I don't know how, but we did. And... um when we completed the final playground, we knew we weren't done. I thought, hey, when this project is done, I'm a retired firefighter. I'll go play golf. I'll, you know, just do whatever. And uh, we realized that we had a need that we, you know, people say, oh, that's really nice. You guys are good. You guys are great. Truth is, most selfish thing I've ever done in my life and everybody that would <laughs> be involved with this would tell you the same thing that we were given a gift and uh the gift just just keeps coming the gift of of giving of healing yourself these were firefighters who uh, respond to tragedies and this was kind of a full circle for us 
It was the gift of healing ourselves by healing others. And we, we would say, I, I think some of the family said to us, like we were trying the impossible, right? We we're trying to heal moms and dads and brothers and sisters and grandmothers and grandfathers who, who had, who were broken, who had lost a beautiful child. And so, and we were trying to help put them together and it's impossible, but they would tell us that the fact that you will try the impossible knowing it's impossible is what sustained them that, that they looked at us. I remember one mom saying, you know, just the fact that you, we don't know you and, and you're strangers and, and you would try to do this for us makes us believe that there are more good people in the world than, than, than bad. And so it's just a, you know, that's a whole beautiful project in and of itself. And Bill, as one of those families, I validate everything that you're saying. In fact, it's bringing me to tears. I, I validate everything. It's what, what an incredible, beautiful gift that that was uh, of, of just unconditional love and healing. And, you know, I, I love when you say <laughs> that you say it's uh, the most selfish thing that you did. And, and that's really such a great example of one of the character values in our formula for choosing love and that's compassion in action. And we teach when you have the courage to step outside yourself uh, and, and do for others, all of the nurturing love that you give out comes back to you. And you, you are such a beautiful example of that. Well, so, so thank you. And, and I know people would, you know, they accuse me of false humility or, and, and, you know, you say, well, oh, shucks type of guy, you know, like uh, the, the, the truth is, um, and I had to have you, Scarlett and Rebecca Kowalski and other moms and dads kind of there's guilt, you know, uh, you know, guilt is a strong uh, and, and imagine. So all these nice things are being said and we don't necessarily think of ourselves as, you know, uh, you know, wonderful angels and all the uh, platitudes that are thrown our way. Uh, so there's guilt that um, I remember expressing this to you and to others that we um, we feel so good that we, we have been given a purpose. And the reason that we feel so good that, that you had to you had to have this loss. And um, there were times that I would talk to our volunteers because there was such camaraderie and fellowship and community and good feelings and guys would be so happy and joyful i would have to rem listen remind yourself you're on sacred ground and that in some cases these are families who are still in the middle of the grieving process and we would you know uh we, we and the but the family said look we're you know you bring this joy you're giving us an opportunity to to feel joy so we had to process like Hey, don't feel guilty. This is your this is your calling. This is your mission, and and we um, we believe that in all all of our heart. And uh, so, and that's true. And I just want to say that you know some people spend their entire life looking for um, meaning and purpose, and and you're a living example that you find that in helping other people. It's so yeah. simple. 
and and it does bring joy. It's it's so amazing. So so how does this beautiful work that helps so many people in the United States, how did that get to Rwanda? Yeah, that, that, so it just keeps getting better, right? I mean, the story. Uh, so so we um, we decided to, uh, I, actually, I didn't decide to. It was really the families who wanted to, like, hey, there's other families hurting like us, and we know what this did for us, so we want to share it with others. So we went to places like Florida and back to Mississippi and to Maryland and to Pennsylvania and uh, and Puerto Rico and Canada. And we went to all these places and it just continued to, you know, we would we would go, as you say, uh, Scarlett, we, we listened and wherever the angels told us to go, we would go. And I, and I don't say that cavalierly. I believe that. Uh, I know that. So um, we were having some success and some people say, well, you guys are the, are the best kept secret and you know things like this this is our first podcast to show you how you know we need to do a better job of getting our message out but um we did get noticed by a group called kids around the world and kids is an amazing foundation in of itself because uh, they take playgrounds that we in the united states would consider to be worn out or tired and in some cases, they're just still magnificent. But because in America, we have so much, they would replace the playgrounds and the old playgrounds, this group found a need for. They would refurbish them, paint them and send them to third world countries. It's called Kids Around the World. And they go to Haiti and the Middle East. And I don't know that they had gone to Africa before that, but um, previous to hearing from kids around the world, I want to say it was a week before I heard from them uh, in speaking with you, Scarlett, and you told me the amazing story of your, your son, your surviving son, JT, who is a, a friend of mine and a, and a gift to, to the world himself because what he's done in Jesse's memory. But Jesse, uh, but JT at one point was, I don't know if your listeners know this, but he was not in a good place. He was angry and who wouldn't be? He was 12 and mad at the world and wasn't going to school. And uh, one of your grief counselors suggested that he um, talk to a woman by the name of Chantel, a young girl who was a genocide survivor herself from the country of Rwanda. Well, she did such an amazing job with JT that he not only went back to school, but created a foundation uh, I think it initially was called Newtown for Rwanda. I think the name has changed since. But yeah, Newtown helps Rwanda. And it was Chantel and Matthew, two orphan genocide survivors, that reached out to JT through Zoom and shared their incredible story of, of you know, losing their entire family in the genocide in 1994 in Rwanda. And then how they healed from that. And the incredible thing is it was the formula that we teach in the choose love movement. It was through courage, gratitude, forgiveness, and compassion and action. Um, I didn't put two and two together until later, but JT was so moved that, uh, and just, you know, they, by the fact that they would reach out to him and share their story and, and tell him that he is going to be okay. He's going to feel 
joy again. And this is how they did it. And he can do it that way too, that he literally turned around the next day, went back to school, started this organization called NewtownHelpsRwanda.org and started raising money for them and eventually sent two orphan genocide survivors to university, one for four years, one uh, in a master's program for two years. And we eventually went to Rwanda and met them. It's just incredible. And it was a huge part of yeah, JT's yeah. healing. So, uh, I mean, that um, that was in the back of my mind. And it, it really one of the reasons why I always pester to stay in touch with Scarlett Lewis, because she uh, delivers uh, or points us and and kind of counsels us in, in to, to do certain things. So that being in the back of my head, I get a call from kids around the world and they said, Hey, we love what you're doing. And we think it's incredible. Would you ever consider going overseas with your people and partnering with us? So I said, gee, I, I never thought of it, but that sounds wonderful. I, I said, and I, I don't know, to be honest with you, I wasn't great at geography that I even knew where, within a thousand miles where Rwanda was. And I said, what about Rwanda? And they said, well, they probably need a playground just as much as everyone else. So we found one of the, one of the uh, poorest communities in the world, Cabejo, Rwanda. And it's the site of the Blessed Mothers. Uh, there's a, a lady of Cabejo and it is the story of her visitation and, and, so through Scarlett and through her contacts, we um, we took a, a trip to to Cabejo to see if it was possible. Tony Wieners, the president of the the Policeman's Benevolent Association at the time, and I went to Cabejo and visited to see if it was safe. We knew there was a genocide that had happened there, and. Lo and behold, we 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 partner with kids around the world. We pack up not only the playground, but uh, through Rebecca Kowalski and uh, 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 Bikes for Kids and Race for Chase, they donated 26 bicycles, which is a whole nother beautiful piece of this. And we go to Cabejo, uh, to Rwanda, to build this playground. And that story can be read as you, as Scarlett, I give a, a you know, what they call it, a shameless plug to the starfish from Africa. You can learn about that. But while we were there, uh, there was a film crew uh, that was led by a New Jersey guy, a, a, a Dr. Jim Creighton, who, another miracle, what are the chances of meeting a Jersey City doctor who's now doing documentary <laughs> films, who happens to live in Rwanda and wants to film us? It's There's a whole crazy story about how we met him but so so we so he meets us and greets us and fills in the blanks and and for uh helping us with um a guide and to give us uh you know advice and how to navigate this foreign country this developing country and we met the other man on the line here Yannick Kabaguza at the time he was 27 and he was remarkable in many ways. At first, it was his energy, uh, and he just couldn't do enough for us and was fascinated by our culture and America. And he became like a standout in the whole group that was helping us out. So we thought, you know, through, through his works. Now, at the time, Yannick 
we, we noticed had a scar on his face and his ear, his left ear and his cheek were really badly cut and um, obviously did not take away from his his brilliant smile, his personality. But we we thought, you know, what's going on here? You know, well, we find that Yannick was a victim or a survivor, I should say, not a victim, but a survivor of the genocide. His entire family uh, was was taken and murdered um, during that horrific time in 1994. And uh, believe it or not, he, as a three and a half year old, was hit with a machete. And, and we we had to process that. Like, how could somebody do this to a young child? But he stood there as we spoke to him and said, uh, yeah, well, yeah, that happened to me, and, and that's terrible. But um, I have forgiven my attackers, and we were stunned. I remember my brother Bob and I looked at each other like, my God, you know, how, how can someone forgive a, a, a whole community and, and a person who did this, you know, wiped out your family, that he knew that he knew a, he actually was a neighbor of him. And, and so he not only forgave him, but he said, yeah, I, I, I visit him in the prison and I go to see him and I, I give him cash and I give I, I try to help him have a better life because he's suffering too. And, and we walked away from that uh, conversation with just awe and like how in the world, you know, but it was so powerful. And Yannick, I'm going to let him tell his story. But he told me that it wasn't, you know, this was a gift to himself. You know, for him to forgive uh, wasn't a gift to the young, the man's name was Kayabanda. And you'll read about him also. But he um, forgave him so that he could put this burden down and did not want to be controlled by what had happened, but rather live the rest of his life in peace and in, and find joy. So, I mean, just an incredible lesson of forgiveness. So Yannick, uh, before I turn it over to him, I just want to tell you how he got here in the United States. So he said to me, Bill, uh, do you know any plastic surgeons? And I'm a firefighter and I don't hang with those circles of doctors and, and plastic surgeons. <laughs> and I joked with him, I said, look at this Irish big fat face of mine and and you know you know i'm not, not going to a plastic surgeon so he laughed and uh but i filmed him and i filmed his statement of forgiveness so i go back to the united states and we were building a playground at the time in boston and uh, jimmy plored was the firefighter from boston who was the chairman and i you know, he says, what have you been up to? And I tell him I was in Africa. And oh, by the way, I met this young man. I just happened to tell him the story. And I show him the video. And he says, well, my mother works for a plastic surgeon in Schenectady, New York, in Ellis Hospital. And hey, I'll ask her. You never know. Well, maybe a month, two months later, I get a call from Patricia Fox, Dr. Patricia Fox. And she says, I'm, I'm Dr. Fox. And uh, and she didn't say I'm Dr. Fox. She says, I'm Pat Fox. Uh, I know, you know I'm friends of the Plourd family, you know, Janet and Peter. Janet works for me. And I saw a picture of, of this young man, Yannick, and I think I can help him. And she said, if you can get him here to the United States, because she would go in the past. She had gone to Africa and helped kids with their 
cleft palates and uh, she worked with uh, doctors. I want to say, I don't know if it was doctors without borders or, you know, the, it's, uh, I'm not getting it right, but it's in the book, but she, she would go there uh, and, and give life back to, to, to kids whose faces were deformed and things. So again, and Yannick's, and just to just to explain, Yannick's wound from when he was three and a half years old was never medically exactly. attended to. So it was always bothering him, and it and exactly. it had never she, she said it, it healed by secondary intent. And I just want to say this because I don't know that I was good about this in the book, and and maybe someday I'll address it. I work with uh, burn survivors, uh, kids up, up in camp, and some have scars and some are large and some are small. And they're the most beautiful people in the world, scar or no scar. So this is, wasn't about changing Yannick from an already beautiful guy to a more beautiful guy. The, the difference with Yannick and his culture is the scar that he had uh, associated him immediately with the genocide. And you can imagine the culture of Rwanda, who the, the folks there, this was something obviously they're not proud of, and it's something they, they want to try to put behind them. But Yannick's injury, they could see it wasn't from a car accident. It wasn't from a burn. It wasn't it associated almost like if you know the story of the scarlet letter it it gave him this stigmata of 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 a, a time that folks in rwanda were not proud of so he wore this and and that is why not it, he had some other medical issues with his eye and 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 uh, pain and headaches and things that needed to be addressed but he was beautiful when i met him with the scar so i'm not trying to say that we need to you know, everybody who has a, uh, you know, a, a, what we would perceive that maybe some something that doesn't look like everybody else isn't beautiful and isn't perfect. But Yannick uh, wore this with kind of like a, you know, I'm a, a badge of honor, but it, it was it was trying to define him with his society. So that was the important. And it led oh, to bullying, time. right, from from. From both sides, yeah. from the, from the Hutus who were reminded, you know, of what they did, and also the big time the it, it, through his whole well. life, he was, you know, uh, made fun of and bullied, and and he he and there's a beautiful story of his coming to, you know, what how he was proud, you know, what made him proud, and how he his life. I mean, you can imagine he struggled with this. So anyway, we get him here. Uh, the, the way he, that he was able to get here and to have his have this beautiful work done, the Ellis Hospital and all of the folks there waived the, the cost. He had a surgery, he had follow up. And then he says to me, uh, Bill, uh, you know, do I have to go back home? And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, you know, you want to stay here? And and of course, you know, in recent days, in recent years, immigration i mean we we chose the most difficult time in maybe in american history to try to have somebody uh, from africa uh, immigrate to the united states but we were able to do that through the miraculous generosity of a, of a of a guy named matt mitro and 
his family and businesses and so on and so forth. But really the story is uh, Yannick, and I'm going to turn it over to him right now. It, it was for me, when I wrote this book in quarantine, it was, this was my story that, uh, you know, I'm like everybody else. I'm flipping from CNN to Fox to MSNBC. And I'm listening about how terrible our world is and we're polarized and pro-Trump, anti-Trump, Republican, Democrat, uh, Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, uh, civil unrest, pandemic, worst economy, uh, murder hornets, hurricanes in the South, wildfires in the West. Oh, my God, our country is a mess. And is this the best time to bring a Rwandan genocide survivor to my country, my America? And then I said, or is it? And I realized that um, my America, if I shut the TV off and walked outside and looked at my neighbors and my business and my family and friends, my America is the doctor who offered her services, the dentist mm. who offered her services, mm. the foundations that I know who assisted us, the, the brothers and sisters and family and friends who all offered up their, their uh, homes and their, their wallets and their love for this guy. That is America. And that is, I hope and I pray that that is Yannick's America we're not perfect and we have our problems, but we don't, we don't celebrate enough the people and the folks that were able to bring Yannick here and do what we did for him. And that's why I wrote the book and it was cathartic for me. And that's why Yannick is on the other end of this line. And I have, if I have one major flaw is I, I talk too much. And so I'm going to, I'm going to turn it over to my, my godson, my friend, my, my brother, he's all of the above, mm. my inspiration. And that's, uh, uh, Yannick Kabaguza. So, um, take it away, Yannick. I'm so happy to be here. I don't know if everybody can hear me. Can you hear me? We guys? can. All right. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and tell my story, but I'm not going to be that good. Like a Bill Lang, ah. because he's a, he's a public speaker. I tell, I always tell him, like, uh, if I would make a list for the public speakers in this world, <laughs> he would be the second after Barack Obama, because he know he, he, <laughs> he do it well. So, as he just mentioned, I was born and grew up in Rwanda, Africa. Uh, it's maybe it's not everybody knows Africa, but it's like a, in a. In it's, it's like a heart of Africa. It's in, in the Central Africa. So I was born there and grew up there. I'm a genocide survivor. As he just mentioned, I lost my entire family, my pops, moms, and the siblings. And then my grandpa, uh, my grandma, I mean, my grandpa died they were like a, a month before genocide. And our aunt and uncles, but above all, the guy who... Uh, who committed in the attack to my house? He just right now I consider him like my friend. Mm. It's sad there is no self, you know, cell phone the, the FaceTime. Uh, you know, one day me and Bill we can FaceTime him and talk to him. You know, his name is Guy Banda. He's in in Rwandan uh, National Prison in Kigali. So the the reason why I forgive him, I you know. 
I had that uh, trauma. I would say, like you know, it's like a, it's like a, a wound I had inside in my mind and my heart. You know, I can't like I'm gonna do revenge to this guy. Where I'm gonna find him? How I'm gonna do it? You know, is this right time to do it? Or that's that's how I grow up. I I had so many thoughts to commit suicide because I was life was so bad. I I feel so I feel so you know. I always pray God, like you know, God, why me all the time? Why you lost my family when I was young? Why somebody slide with my, slash machete in my face when I was young? I was like innocent, you know. Till right now, I consider the the young kids like a babies uh, and stuff like like innocent. Why everything happened to me when I was innocent? And Yannick, you were three and a half years old, you know, when when yeah. people when your neighbors burst into your home and, and this happened in front of you and, and then the machete went to your face to kill you. And uh, you know, and, and you were pretty much on your own, you were taken in by someone, but then um, when it, when push came to shove, you were, she, she had a chance to escape, but they weren't going to take you because you were a Tutsi and the roadblocks that they would have to go through would would might just kill everyone on the bus because they were sheltering you. So this person that had taken you in left you on the side of the road. I mean, you were you really were left on your own. Oh yes, and I had the sign. I had the sign in my face. I had this car. This car was like indication where everybody can uh, tell who you are. Like. Uh, this this guy he got like this young kid he got machete seems like somebody tried to kill yes. him then it's a it might be the right time just you know to go ahead and finish him but uh, you know I thank God I survived you know uh, from that side of the road as you just said the uh, Red Cross Red Cross and North I mean uh, sisters they just took me from that side of the road uh, all the way up to the refugee camps in in, in Bologna which is a, a next neighborhood country. Life was not easy in the refugee camp, young kids for three and a half years old with a very huge uh, machete wound in the face. There is no medical supplies by then. There is no, yeah, I mean, the foods, the water. I still have, it, you know, it's sad. I still have those nightmares most of the time. Mm. Yeah, especially this time we were writing this book. I, I always woke up in the middle of the night, uh, sleeping troubles. You know, I I kept see those soldiers came up to my oh. house. I don't, I can't, I can't remember everything like A to Z, but I still have those flashes, those pictures. You know, like how people they were dressed, how they were, you know, they, how they they would scream. You know, come to the to my house, how they burn the house. I still have those pictures, which is but on me sometimes. So you're carrying but... the trauma around with you and you're three and a half years old. Your entire family's gone. You're in a refugee camp with very little, even food and water, um, but no medical care for this machete wound in your face. And then you said that as you grew up, you were angry and you were thinking about revenge, thinking about killing yourself, um, asking God, why me? Is that right? Yes, is that correct? Because I, life was so bad. I'm, 
I was I, I felt too tired to life. You know, T, you know, Bill Levin came to my life and Jim Creighton, as he just said. And they, they changed my life. Sometimes I feel that's why I call him Godfather. Yes. I call him Godfather because, you know, he's, he really changed my life. That's like, beautiful. Uh, but before that, you were you were kind of an outcast to to everyone in Rwanda because you were you were re- a reminder to both the Tutsi and the Hutu. And so it was hard for you to fit in. Yeah, even including my family. My aunt and my uncle I used to live with uh, because they, to the side of my uncle, which is my auntie's husband, he lost his family. Mm. And uh, same as my side to my aunt, you know, she lost her family, including my mom and my aunt and my grandma. And uh, it's kind of sad. But, you know, I always, you know, image of something in front of somebody who look at me, you know, back home. Mm-hmm. And uh, guess what? Everybody who saw me, you know, he, you know, he thinks whatever he want to think, you know, like, you know, this is Hutu or this is Tutsi. It's like a Jewish, a Jewish tattoo. See if you know the Jewish, the, the tattoos for those guys yes. uh, back then. Yes. 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 It was a kind, kind of similar. Yes. So, um, and so, you know, you, you think about where, what happened to you, Yannick, and that history. And, and now you know, the first thing that you said was you're, you're friends with the person who tried to kill you and, and, and was with the people that killed your entire family. And, and you still are, are traumatized by this. It's not like you, it's, it's, you just forgive and that's it, you know, and, and now your life is perfect. No, you still lose sleep over it. You still have nightmares yet. Yet when we just when when you were introduced and you started talking, the first thing you said was, "Yes, I'm friends with uh, with the person." I, I Bill was explaining that you give him money because you forgive him, and for so many of us, um, so many listeners, it's so hard to contemplate how you could forgive something like that. I know myself because, you know, I have uh, my, my message from the very beginning has been that there were actually 28 victims at Sandy Hook Elementary School instead of 26. So Adam uh, Lanza was the former student who perpetrated the crime. He woke up that morning. He shot his mother in the face before he left his house. And then he went back to where he went to elementary school and where his mother taught and killed 26 people. And then he killed himself. So literally 28 people died, but some people are very offended um, by my saying there were 28 victims because they think that, well, Adam was the perpetrator. He was the murderer. He, you know, he, he, he's a monster and his mother is the one that enabled him with guns and and so it's their fault but for me i feel like you know i i i look at uh his mother as a single mother not receiving any help from anyone raising a a child that had um special needs and then i see adam as somebody that was isolated bullied uh throughout his life neglected and angry, <laughs> consequently angry. 
And so I see him as well as his mother as victims. And, and so people, people don't understand that. And I know that people aren't going to understand and it's hard for me too. And, and you know, I, I forget, oh. I understand why you forgive. I forgive Adam because I don't want to be a victim. I, I want to find joy in my life. I don't want to live my life angry and wanting revenge. Um, but you know, it's, it's, you know, kind of, can you walk us through that process? How did you get from, um, contemplating suicide and wanting revenge and praying to God, why me? That's kind of a, a victim mentality of saying, gosh, you know, why me out of everybody, you know, why did you do this to me to, to taking your personal power back through forgiveness? How did you get there? Right. I, actually, I feel like I, I've been carrying a cross, very heavy cross, all the way up to my shoulder, which was very heavy to the, the to the to my life. I'm like, you know, this is time. This is right time to put down this cross and uh, try to find somebody who can tell me, you know, how my mother and my family was killed, and so I can go ahead and forgive him. And uh, also, I learned. That forgive, I mean, uh, revenge, it's like a poison you drink, mm. you know, to do something bad, like uh, to almost kill your enemy, you know, or wish him to die. I'm like, uh, no way, I'm not going to drink this poison. Are you kidding me right now? Mm-hmm. Let me go ahead and uh, and uh, see what to do. So that's that's how, you know, I try to ask neighbors. You're going to read this, heard this story, you're going to read in the book. Absolutely, Everybody it's incredible. Yes, please. I was going to say somebody who's on air right now who can listen to us right now, please, you know, read the book Starfish from Africa or this story. You're going to uh, you're going to absorb, you know, everything in that book It's going to be amazing. And a very uh, New Year and Christmas. I mean, holidays gifts. Uh, I, so I just uh, let me keep going on the forgiveness. I forgive him. I just found the information where he's located, you know, what he's doing. I just, you know, realized he was in prison. I went to see him when he saw me for the first time. You know, he didn't know who I was, you know, after 20 something years old. You know, I, I look like, you know, grown man and he was like an old man right there. Well, he had assumed just, he you know, killed you. Yeah, he's the one who slapped, who, who, you know, who slapped machete in my face. Right, he's, my... he assumed that you died. Yeah, exactly. He didn't know, you know, that I survived or not. Right. Yeah, I just, you know, I approached him. I introduced me to him. You know, he, you know, you know, blood, it's something I don't even know how to explain. It's, it's like in my blood and his blood, you know, uh, um, talk to each other or, you know, somehow connection uh, linked to each other. Mine and his. So, I, you know, I, I can see the tears in his eyes. He didn't look at my face. You know, he kept to look down when he talked to me. And when I left, my second time to come to visit him. Because, you know, he told the story how my mother killed, how they killed my mother. Mm. Actually, in fact, he didn't tell me that he's, you know, you know he, he apologized to everything. And I forgive him. And he didn't tell me that he's the one who slapped machete in my face. My cousin told me that. Mm. And then, but he was also the one that killed your mom. Yes, he's the one. Uh, Actually, in fact, they didn't. Uh, you know, uh, they. You know, that's that's the that's the what I heard from people. They didn't do like you know very horrible as I thought. Like you know, rape her in very uh, in very horrible condition as I thought. You know, it was 
was not that bad. Like, you know, Ga- Yannick, they, yeah, because yes, I mean, the, the vicious things that they did to women and, you know, yeah, for you to say, well, it's, it's amazing to put your mom's murder in that kind of perspective, but that's, that's amazing, Yannick. Yes, I understand. Yeah, I'm, I mean, there is a, after everything we went through, life is goes on. So that, there was nothing I had to do to that guy except just, you know, to forgive him and, you know, uh, kept listening to him. And, you know, I know he got trauma because the prisoners, the, like a guard, those people watching the prisoners, mm-hmm. they told me he had the trauma so many times. He had the nightmares <clears throat> because the second time they asked me so many questions. Why, why you keep visiting this guy? He... He's one who, you know, who killed my family and they did this to me. Uh, why? Last time, he, you know, we had the trouble to this guy. That's, that's the, the guard told me. They, you know, he kept, you know, he screamed during the night, you know. You know, he stayed by himself. You know, they thought he's going to commit suicide because those guys, you know, they got big trauma more than us. So... I mean, that's, uh, it's amazing that you feel compassion if I could just, for him I just and that you continue to. When I... When, I will... when Yannick described for the first time, you know, the forgiveness, and I asked him, I said, people might think that's crazy that you could forgive somebody who did this. You know, can you tell me? He said, he simply said in his, at the time, his English is so great now, but at the time was, he was just learning it. He said to me, you know, well, we all have good days and bad days, he said. And a very simplest, and I looked at my brother and I'm like, good days and bad days. But, <sighs> but he said, nobody's perfect. And I'm like, <laughs> nobody's perfect. So, <laughs> I mean, when you think about it in the terms of, of, uh, right. of us here, when somebody, <laughs> you know, you know, cuts you off and, uh, you know, gives you a gesture that isn't nice or, or, or somebody cuts you off in line. And you think, well, we all have good days and bad days. This was, you know, the the, the extermination of his family, and 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 he and he puts it in those terms. It's just incredible that he is in this mindset of of forgiveness. It's so powerful to me, and I just wanted to for the listeners to understand that when he put, oh, was you know, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought. These were people that were killed and cut and dismembered and 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 yet family and yet he has well family members and good days so um he's you know it just speaks to his his mindset and his heart and his ability to forgive so i just wanted to put that in and i thank you bill because i see him as really an icon of jesse's message which is nurturing, healing, love, and how he's brought this with him to America. Because I've read in the book how many lives, Yannick, you have completely transformed and even saved with your story and your incredible strength and, and, the, and the power of forgiveness. And it's just absolutely amazing. Everyone needs to hear your story. Thanks for listening to the Choose Love podcast. Our positive, empowering messaging is reaching millions of people all over the planet. You could be part of the solution, too. 
We have sponsorship opportunities available that help support us and enable you to share in helping create a safer, more peaceful, and loving world. Contact me on our website, chooselovemovement.org. And before I forgot, there is very strong connection between your son, Jesse Lewis, and uh, my way come here or uh, my book, Starfish from Africa. Because when I saw the painting, the painting you sent to Bill, uh, in fact, I got I got it in my bill. He he just you know sent to me directly. It's very very you know awesome painting, which is means a lot to me. And also you know uh, your son, your son who got starfish, two starfish in Africa. One starfish, his name is Matthew, and the Chantal. Yes. My my uh, I call him. He's like my brother. He's, uh, in fact, I'm working with him right now. His name is Matthew, Matthew Mitchell. He's a Matthew here. He support me, he opened his wallet and his heart yes. and his everything. You know, he gave me life here. To the other side, your son, yeah. he did the same thing. Another, another God wing. To, to the yeah. other Matthew. Yes. Yeah, how miracle is that? That's exactly yeah, right. That is. The... Yeah, what's the name of your second son? His name is JT. Uh, uh, JT Lewis. Yes. Yeah, exactly what J.T. Lewis did in my country. is exactly to Matthew. He did to Matthew. is exactly what Matthew Mitchell did to my life here. Yes. You know, it's like a, it's like a miracle. And above all, there is a painting, you know. J.C. J.C. did this, you know, the way before he died. You know, you and B, I'm sure you didn't know each other, you know, or... Uh, Maybe you knew each other, but you didn't know what is going to happen about this, you know, starfish from Africa, about me, and uh, about everything, you know, future hurt for us, you know, for you and us. So, Yannick, thank you for bringing that up, because I, I do, to bring this full circle for the listeners, so Bill sent two copies of the starfish from Africa to me, uh, maybe two weeks ago, I opened it up. And one was for my mom, of course, and one was for myself. Um, and the the amazing thing uh, that I'll just say is that when Bill reached out to our family about the idea to build a playground in honor of, of well, to, for Jesse to pay it forward to the kids in Stanford, um, my mom told Bill mm-hmm. that Jesse chose you to, to do this. Like, this is something that you are supposed to do when Bill was thinking, what am I, you know, am I really supposed to be doing this? Is this a good idea to be reaching out to these 26 families? Uh, you know, who am I to do this? And, you know, even unbeknownst to me, my mom called Bill and said, Jesse chose you, you are supposed to be doing this. This is the right thing to do. Let's do it. And so, you know, from that to opening, the um the 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 package and i had no idea bill that you were writing this book uh about your journey to rwanda through covid and then seeing the title and and also unbeknownst to me my chief operating officer alexis had sent you 10 starfish posters so any any of the educators that use the choose love movement program know that and if you've heard me speak ever you know that my last slide is usually 
this painting that I painted with my art instructor, Jane Weir Davidian from Fayetteville, Arkansas. And it is a picture of Jesse on this beach loaded with starfish. He has a starfish in his hand and he's throwing it into the water. And this beautiful story about how, you know, each interaction that you have, each connection that you have, every time that you look into somebody's eyes, you can be transforming and saving a life. Well, this is also something that my mom directed me to do. She, I have uh, drafts of her drawings. She's saying, you have to make this painting. Uh, and so Jane and I did this under her direction, really. And uh, Jesse has to be the one that's throwing the starfish back into the water. So Bill gets this, this, uh, it's now posters that we sell on our e-store. Um, Bill opens up this, this Christmas gift from the Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement. He's already sent the starfish from Africa. He gets this poster of Jesse throwing these starfish and he's, He's just yeah. like Bill. So I'll let you. The same now. There's talk a, about your reaction. For those who I think most of your listeners would probably have heard a version. This this is based on uh, I believe Lauren Isley's um, story, and there's many versions of it. But the main thing is uh, that a either a young it could be a young boy, a young girl, uh, could be an old man, a old woman, uh, but a a a, let's say for Jesse's sake that is a young boy is, you know, on the beach and it's after a storm and thousands and thousands of starfish have washed up onto the beach. And this happens from time to time. In fact, it happened while I was writing the book. It happened in, in Myrtle Beach when the starfish were washed up. You talk about a coincidence. So I the story is that this young man after a storm is throwing starfish one by one back into the water and an older person comes by and says, listen, what are you doing? And, he's, and the young boy says, I'm, I'm, you know, I have to get this starfish back into the water to save them because they've been washed up. And the person says, well, I just came down the beach and there's literally thousands and thousands of starfish. You can't possibly make a difference. And, he, he, he smiles and the little boy bends down and picks up another one and throws it in the water by, and says, well, I just made a difference for that one. And the reason that we adopted that story and why I consider Yannick my starfish or our starfish is because when we were in Rwanda, thousands and thousands of beautiful smiling faces of Rwandan children and of course, you could multiply that by millions across the continent of these beautiful kids with no more than some, you know, rags on their backs and no shoes um, saying to my, we thought that they were uh, asking us of, in a, like it, it, word meant something different, but they were saying soap, soap, they wanted soap. And my wife says, are they really just want soap? And so they said, yeah, yeah, we, we want little things like that. But we wanted to, each one of us, we, we would have loved. And if we could, mm. I would. And in, a, in another life, I hope to, that we wanted to take all of these children, all of them, and bring everyone home and give them a life that was better <laughs> somehow. Well, we knew that wasn't possible. But I think the phrase is, you know, we can't. Um, one can't help all, but all can help one. 
So when this series of events happened with the uh, with the doctor and the and the coincidence of Jimmy Plord's mom working for the plastic surgeon and the high school in North Brunswick, New Jersey, who was willing to raise the money to fly Yannick here and Dr. Jim and his generosity and supporting him. Uh, so he became our starfish. This is what we can help him. And I mentioned, I don't know whether it was before, but Yannick has a starfish. He's paying it forward to a blind guitarist in Africa. But so that starfish, that's why the title is. And Jesse, as I said earlier, was the angel that I believe who directly was responsible for me going to Rwanda and building the playground as a thank you for uh, Chantel and and Matt uh, supporting JT. So he was the guy that sent us for me to get in the mail without anybody planning it a picture of a painting of Jesse. Not If I had gotten a picture of any angel, any of the people that we had built playgrounds for, it would have been in, insanely miraculous. But the fact that it was the angel that sent me to Africa who was standing on the beach tossing, uh, I, I, th I think it's Yannick that he's tossing into the sea, says to me full circle it was almost like mm. not almost it was jesse saying mm. hey i sent you to africa you did it you completed the job thank you and this is why you had to do it it, it, it was that powerful and i just want to mention um scarlett maureen your mom who really kind of started it all and i was in the firehouse way before i built the playground i had never met you or her and she said bill you don't know me, but I'm telling you that Jesse, my grandson, chose you, nobody else but you, to build his playground. And she, your mom, if if we can say, was the one who did the original sketch, who loved the story of the starfish even before you painted it, and insisted, Scarlett, that you, uh, just like she insists that I build a playground in in uh, South Dakota for the Lakota Indians, which we are going to do in September. But your mom is an engine and a force mm -hmm. unto herself who pushed you to, hey, you got to paint. Maybe she knew or Jesse knew that this was going to be a sign that had, you know, come full circle, but, but that you needed to paint this starfish on the beach and Jesse throwing it into the water. When I showed it to Yannick, he was like, you know, I don't know. He's seen so many signs and miracles, but we were just, I'm, I'm at a loss to try to describe uh, what it means to us. It's just remarkable. So the book is going to, we have to make some changes, uh, uh, some subtle name changes that uh, folks back home in Rwanda uh, want to adjust to make it a little bit more accurate than it already is. But we got the permission from you, uh, Scarlett, and we are going to include that painting of Jesse on the beach drawing a starfish in the next printing of the starfish from Africa. So, so um, it, it maybe there was a reason why, you know, we had to make some edit, edits to it so that we can allow the possibility of completing the story, which 
I had to write in the beginning of the book, you know, please, you have to trust me that this is true because in some cases I, I find it incredulous. <laughs> it's so true. It is, it is literally miraculous. We were trying to think of what we would call the, what the title of this podcast would be. And I said, miracles are real. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and Bill, you said, angels are real. <laughs> it's, it's really incredible. It's an incredible story. And I hope everyone goes out and buys the book, the starfish from Africa. And, um, and I, and I want to just remind everybody mm -hmm. the quote, your mother's quote, which is so, so important. And, and Yannick is, is such a great example of this. If you threw your problems into a pile you would fight to get them Amen. back. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, remember that. Um, this, yeah, su such a great story to put what we're going through into perspective. And then I kind of wanted to close. Yannick, you've done some speaking. I hope you do speaking for the Choose Love movement in the future. One of the things that you said really stuck out to me, and I think that, you know, we're actually recording this on New Year's Eve. But I love this as, uh, as a thought that we have going forward, especially for us living in America. Um, you said that when you speak to groups, usually it's, you know, people think about what is lacking in Rwanda. Um, but one of the kids asked you, um, what do you think we lack here in America? And do you remember what you responded, Yannick? Yes, uh, my my answer to that question was appreciated, uh, and uh, yeah, in, in fact, in fact, we just yeah, to the, yeah, Scarsdale High School in New York City, yeah, ago. or New York, uh, yeah, they got so many questions, you know, about genocide, especially about Rwanda, because when you compare, you know, genocide, you know, Rwandan genocide to Holocaust genocide, it's a, it's a it's incredible just because it happened in three months and we lost more than a million people just only in three months, 90 days. Yes. Yeah, which is uh, different from what happened in Germany or uh, Cambodia. It took a long period of time, but they didn't, you know, even they, the, in Rwanda, they use like uh, those uh, traditional tools uh, like uh, knives, machetes, uh, as uh, what they used to slap in my face. Um, um, uh, those traditional guns like a hunting guns and stuff was very a uh, bluter um, a genocide yeah I, I, if this would be zoom I'll show you some videos there is some videos oh my god a, a lot a lot of videos on YouTube Yannick will you do oh. a zoom with us uh, as a follow-up to this podcast oh please I'll love to. okay that would be amazing um, so, so appreciation, you know, uh, what, what do we lack in America? Yannick said it in one word, appreciation for what we have right in front of us. And I think that is, yeah, you, you know, you know so Scarlett, I just want to say that the title Thank of, we love that. the title of the book, um, and I think it's from a... Africa, and it's the power of forgiveness and, and that forgiveness piece it has so closely related or inter twined integral to your 
your mission and your purpose and, and the choose love movement. And that's a, the great connection. But it, it, we, if we had chosen another title, it might just have simply been appreciation because um, the moment that, so Yannick is talking about America and the fact that we, Scarsdale High School is in a very wealthy part of, of uh, New York. And Yannick was only in the country a short time. And if you have a bicycle in, in uh, Rwanda, you're, you're wealthy. To have a car, and he could see that the students were not only driving cars, but they were driving Jaguars and Lexus and Mercedes and Porsches. And he, he was amazed at these, you mean all these kids? He, <laughs> there's a word in, in uh, Kiryuanda that uh, it's called umuchiri, which means, you know, rich. You're a rich. And he says, they're all umuchiris. And he, he was speaking to the class and he said, uh, boy, if I had an opportunity to live in this country, uh, you know, I would kiss the ground and, and I would be so uh, amazed and, and happy that I could live in this. Um, you have everything here. And this insightful student stood up and said, I know we have a lot here in America that you don't have in Rwanda, but is there something in Rwanda that you have that we don't have here? And he smirked. He took a moment and he smiled and he just said, appreciation and there was a acknowledgement from the students and the teachers mm. they looked at each other and kind of nodded and to one another and just in, as 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 a one stood up and cheered and clapped for him it was a moment i'll never forget and in the book that is one of the signature moments that people would when they read it and they go and they'll write to me, hey, the book was great, and this was great. And they always mention what you just did. Boy, I, I, I look at my life, and I think of what Yannick told the, those students about appreciation. Mm -hmm. So he, he's got many, many lessons, uh, the power of forgiveness, but especially in this time of mm -hmm. COVID. And, you know, people feel, well, I got to stay home, and I can't go to – I can't dine out and, you know, um, you know, there's so many things to be unhappy about, but there's also many things to celebrate. And if we would just take a moment to appreciate, you know, the opportunities that we have and, and that's the lesson of the, that's Yannick's lesson. He thanks me and he thanked a lot of people on this, but who's the teacher and who's the student we've learned, I believe far more from Yannick Kabaguza then mm. then uh he has learned from me and while he'll say that we were generous and that folks gave him things he's given us so much more and I don't know where what we where we'd be without him and I I'm just excited I hope I'm around long enough to see where this takes him and whether he'll be the ambassador to the UN or, or what, what his journey, where he takes him. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's, yeah, there you go. I, I, I want, I want, I want to throw back to so many starfish in the water. Cause you throw me back. No, Jesse, Jesse told you to throw me yeah. back. Mm. I'm in the water. So I'm looking for it to throw so many more. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Yannick, I see you and Jesse walking along the beach, picking up starfish 
and throwing them into the water. And you, I know that you will continue to do that. And that's why we're all here, right? We're all just here as, uh, as, uh, as um, Ram Das said, I think, to walk each other home, to, <clears throat> excuse me, to help one another, to, to connect with one another, to be compassionate. And certainly that's, that's the most beautiful part of this story. I hope everybody picks up a, a copy of The Starfish from Africa by Bill Lavin and also stays tuned for the follow-up Zoom we're going to have and looks for speaking opportunities with Yannick and yeah, the Choose Love what Movement. What a team that would be. What, what Thank a, you uh, both so much for joining us. Team this has been that would be, you know, beautiful. Yannick and Scarlett, just amazing. And I'm just thinking to tell your mom that I think she should make a sketch of with the, with Jesse throwing the starfish in the water and then have the starfish actually reach out with all of its its points, grabbing other starfish and dragging them in. And that's how I see it all happening. And then and then the whole beach gets pulled in by one another. You know, that's I just see one and that and that's how we're 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 gonna get this uh you know this planet back in uh in in a peaceful, joyful harmonious uh, by by everybody pulling you know one another through yannick quotes michelle obama and she talked about you know when you're walking through the door reach back and pull somebody else with you and that that's kind of what he's doing and and what all you're doing Th and scarlett i just got to thank you for having the courage and and honoring boy you honored your son i, I know this is not what you would have chosen but, you know, you're where you are and you're there for a reason for so many others who, uh, you know, are in the sound of your voice that, you know, you've inspired so much. And, and uh, you, your wonderful mother and, and JT and Bob and Maureen and, you know, it's just on and on and on. So we're blessed to, you know, you, 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 know, you thank us, but we're blessed to, to be in the same uh, airwaves with you. Well, Bill, there are no words. Uh, I love you so much. And you've been such an incredible part of our healing and our journey. And thank you for introducing us to this beautiful soul, Yannick, whom I can't wait to meet in person and give a big hug and hopefully work with. This oh, has you. just been you, an Joe. amazing podcast. Thank you both. And we love, love you so much. And thank you, audience, for for listening and we will see you next time it's all part of us we can all choose love it'll lift you up if you let it in let the healing begin thanks for listening to the choose love podcast our positive empowering messaging is reaching millions of people all over the planet Join the worldwide movement to choose love. Our programming is in over 10,000 schools, homes, and communities across the country, in every state, and over 112 countries and counting. We're giving individuals of all ages the essential life skills they need to flourish. 
You can be part of the solution too. We have sponsorship opportunities available that help support us and enable you to share in helping create a safer, more peaceful, and loving world. Contact me on our website, ChooseLoveMovement.org.